Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. My name is Tim. I am the pastor here. If you're new with us, uh, we love it that you are here. We are imperfect people uh, who have been moved by the perfect love of Jesus. Uh, So you'll see on our website and different things, love moves. That's what we mean by that. And so we hope that you don't just see that on the website, but you experienced that this morning. Even as you walked in, grabbed coffee, and talked to people as we sang those songs about who Jesus is, I hope that's what you have experienced. Um, We've been saying this every week, uh, counting it down. We've been in this new facility for eight weeks and uh, Brad mentioned the scenario of the school and, and all those different things. And so thanks for your patience with the different clutter and, and things like that. But it also is an opportunity, as, as Brad mentioned, to partner and really serve our community, which we have a few opportunities to do coming up. But as the school has acclimated to this space, so have we. Really on the fly, if you know anything about the story of us moving over here, it's been on the fly, building the bike while we're riding it, getting this space ready. So there's been tons of things from anywhere from the way the lobby looks all the way to kids' ministry. Uh, Our our people have just tirelessly worked to get this space ready. We're still in process in that. But two people have done a lot, especially recently, that I want to acknowledge, Brad Hart and Chris Laurent. Uh, Yeah, give them a clap. Brad was just up here a few moments ago. He leads our service teams. Chris is up. Uh, Don't try to look up at him because you'll be blinded by the light. Uh, That's not heaven. That's just the spotlight. And... um but they, they have just been up here on Saturdays and just building speaker stands and these things back here that, that are still in process. But they've just been building stuff with their bare hands and getting stuff ready, contributing time on Saturdays. And so I just want to acknowledge them. And uh, you need to know that's a big part of our heart is we want you to be a part of Phoenix Bible Church so that you can make a difference in the way God has designed you. And so whether it's building stuff or greeting or serving kids or tech stuff or singing or even this morning we're going to see preaching, uh, we want to see you raise up in the body of Christ and contribute to make a difference. And uh, so we'd love to see that play out for you over the summer and the coming months. Uh, But this morning we get to see that in a unique way as uh, someone in our church, a key leader in our church preaches for us. And uh, we had that last Sunday. If you missed that, go back and listen on the website or the podcast. We looked at worship and the mind with Bradley uh, Hyde. He did a phenomenal job, didn't he? Yeah, did an amazing job. Uh, Today, we have Samson Jayakumar, who's continuing this series. He's doing worship and uh, the affections. And so we're in this six-part series on worship. He's doing worship and the affections. Samson uh, has been a worship leader at our church for a long time, small group leader, uh, led in lots of ways with his wife, Dana. And he has, as well as the other guys, put in a lot of time a lot of study, a lot of outlines, manuscripts, rehearsals to preach to you today. And so we said it last week, but we're going we're gonna to support him up here as he preaches. We're going to give him a lot of amens. Let's practice that. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, so I'm so excited for you to hear from Samson as he proclaims the word of God to us this morning. Would you welcome Samson up with me now? How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. So I kind of want to introduce myself a little bit more. Um, Me and Dana, we met here in Phoenix Bible Church, but we've been able to be a part of it since its inception. So I remember the first day seeing Pastor Tim preach, and from then we've seen God deliver this church from so many things and also provide a way for us, you know? 
Um, and a part of that is being shaped by God. So we've continued to be shaped by him. The leadership here has continued to be shaped by him and understand more of his heart for this community, what it means to be here in Phoenix. So uh, that's true for me and Dana as well. Since we first started coming here till now, we've been shaped and guided by God so much. Um, and a cool part of that is that me and Dana actually met in Phoenix Bible Church uh, in leading worship. I couldn't stop staring at her during practice. And um, I remember carrying her piano, or not her piano, but her keyboard to her car and, and throwing it in the trunk for her. And that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made because, <laughs> because I remember the conversations we had about God that night, uh, standing in a parking lot after worship practice, and even last night, talking to her about uh, speaking this morning, we got to talk about what God's involvement is in all of that and how the Holy Spirit really guides you. And uh, it's not our own strength that we rely on, but God's strength. So um, it's awesome to be married to her, to be a part of Phoenix Bible Church. Um, so I do want to encourage you guys in the culture that we have here at Phoenix Bible. Uh, we encourage community, and that's a big part of what we'll be talking about today even, and we'll see that. Um, genuine community is something that's sometimes hard to find. Um, and that's something that we really push here at Phoenix Bible is be yourself, but also be, be ready to welcome people into this community, amen? So um, I've been able to learn a lot from that as well. I wanna tell you guys a little story about me before we get started. Uh, when I was five years old, I was a little brown boy in India just like all the rest of the brown boys in India. And my parents uh, were feeling led by God to move to America. And this is a big deal for us, you know? We don't know what America is outside of the movies that we saw, uh, which weren't great, if you think about it. People are just shooting each other and everybody's really ripped. Uh, <laughs> so so we're, we're coming to America, and before we do, we are saying goodbye to all of our friends and family in India. And a big part of that was saying goodbye to my dad's, grand, or to my dad's parents, who are my grandparents, um, because a lot of my dad's family is still in India. So we're saying goodbye to them. And I specifically remember my grandma. Because if, if anyone knows my grandma, she is a very bold and brilliant woman. She raised six kids. And if you can imagine raising six kids, you have to be bold. You have to lay the law down. And that's how she is, you know. Um, but she's also very sweet, and she shows tons of affection. So if you can imagine five-year-old Samson, like this tall, maybe a little bit shorter, actually. Um, <laughs> and I remember my grandma just picking me up and then just showering me with kisses, just kissing me all over my face. And while she's kissing me, she's saying, you're beautiful, you're so cute, I love you so much. All of this stuff that just builds me up. And I'm like, oh man, I am cute, aren't I? That's awesome. <laughs> so that's what I remember. And then she puts me down and she says, you know, I'm really gonna miss you when you're gone. And my response uh, was a typical pastor's kid's response, okay? So I respond to her and I say, there's this song, and the English translation of the song is a fully uh, Indian song, but the English translation is, count your blessings and praise God. And I said, sing that song and praise God and pray for me and then I'll see you again, right? That's how, that's how it goes, I'll see you again. Um, and for a five-year-old kid, my understanding of time is maybe like a week, like next Thursday, that's like an eternity away, you know? 
Uh, we're going to go to the waterfalls and the parks tomorrow. That's like an infinity away. Tomorrow? Like, what does that mean? But I didn't understand time. I didn't know when I would see my grandma again. But I just told her this. And she's like, okay. And she kissed me. And I remember leaving the house, getting in an airplane, and then coming to America and seeing snow for the first time. And it was, it was crazy. I'm like, this is another planet. This is crazy. Um, but I also remember going to school in uh, America and being bullied. I remember being bullied. Um, and I was bullied in India probably too. But um, I remember being bullied and not knowing how to talk really well. Um, but that progressed. And I, uh, my parents moved from uh, the Baltimore, D.C., Maryland area to North Carolina, which was an amazing thing. My dad got to... Uh, started pastoring a church there in North Carolina. Um, and that was a different American experience. That's like lawnmower racing and <laughs> southern living, fried chicken. I remember uh, the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. Um, and that's, that's what I started living in. And country talk, you know, I reckon, that kind of stuff. Um, but that was my life. And I was starting to learn English and understanding uh, American culture. But at the same time, I was forgetting a lot of my Indian culture at the same time. There's that happening, right? Um, so after that, the church here in North Carolina uh, wanted to bless my family, and they were like, why don't you guys go to India, see your family, it's been a long time. Uh, and so we were like, yeah, that would be great. So uh, we pack up and we go to India, and I remember walking in to my, or my grandparents' house, and I remember seeing my grandma. Now six years have passed since I last saw my grandma. So things have changed a lot. She has more grandkids, um, but also she's in the late stages of Parkinson's. So she's not able to speak that well. She's not able to move that well. So this is a shock for me, but at the same time, I realized that I couldn't talk to her that well because I've forgotten a lot of how to speak my native language. And so there's this big barrier between us. And I remember how uncomfortable that was for me to like talk, try to talk to my relatives, but we had this love for each other, so we'd like hug and there's tears. And I remember sitting um, at my grandma's uh, bed right next to her. And uh, we're not able to say much to each other. And she just grabs my hand. And she holds it like as hard as she can, like so endearingly. And she looks me in the eyes and there's tears in her eyes from not seeing her grandkid for six years. And she puts this big smile on her face, right? And she's just looking at me. And I'm, I'm sure you guys can like close your eyes and you can imagine your grandparents, right? The cookies, the love, all of that. And that's what I've felt rushing back to me. After those six years of being separated, the cultural gap, all of these differences were there. But the affection connected us together. That affection for each other, it's as if I never left. It's as if she was picking me up. Even though 11-year-old kid, I was kind of chunky. But she was picking me up. She was covering me with kisses. She was saying, I'm beautiful, I'm lovely. All of that stuff came rushing back right from that moment. And that affection that God created in us is what we're gonna talk about today. So I encourage you guys, um, as we look into the word, to think about that affection. How are we gonna define it? Um, now, affection, if you, if you read about it, some synonyms, uh, some definitions, it's like warmth, devotion, friendship. But really what it's saying is it's from the heart. And you guys know what it, it is to feel from the heart. Um, and this whole series is from the mind to the heart to the hand. So 
Um, as we talk about the heart, I want you guys to think about what that means for you because God's built all of us differently, right? Um, God's built all of our hearts differently, so our heart's response can be different. And that's completely normal, and we'll see that here. Um, but what I, I want to be careful about is that this is not a worship of the heart, okay? So we are going to see how God uses our hearts for worship. So um, this is not a worship of the heart. Our affections, our emotions don't guide our actions or our thoughts towards God. And that's important because as we see the New Testament church, the new church, they've experienced a lot and their hearts have felt pain. But at the same time, that didn't change their affections towards God. So that's what we're going to talk about is we're going to look at how God can change our hearts so that we can show right emotion, right affections towards him. So let's go ahead and look into this story. In verse 36, it says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So this Pharisee, um, I always thought when I read this story that maybe this Pharisee's heart was like softened towards God. Maybe that's why he invited him to the house. But as I read this, I realize that it's a trap. He's just trying to have more dialogue with Jesus to figure him out. Who is this guy? He says he's the, the Messiah, all this stuff. So let's figure out who he's about. So he invites him to the house and Jesus is like, all right, let's do this. And he goes to his house and the first thing you realize is that Simon is a Pharisee, so there's all of this background that goes with Simon. Um, so let's go ahead and look into who a Pharisee is. So what a Pharisee initially was is someone who followed the law very closely. So we always see like the Jesus movies and stuff, and we always think, oh, Pharisees, bad word, terrible, terrible guys. But the truth is they started out really closely following the gospel, Right? Uh, their name actually means separated ones. So if you think about the people of Israel, different cultures, different religions, different influences are infiltrating the, the people of God. But Pharisees are saying, we're set apart. They're reading the Bible closely. They're reading the laws of God very closely. And they're saying, we're set apart from all of that. We are not gonna be influenced by all of that. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's what we're doing here at this church is we're saying we're not gonna be affected by the things of this world. We're gonna be set apart for God. So that's an amazing thing. Uh, and they're considered a holy and righteous people because of that. So everyone who's there uh, in the community sees them and they think, okay, these guys are following the law. They're being hurt. They're hearing from God and that's affecting their lives, right? Now, what this became is completely different. This started out so beautiful, but what it became was people that judged by outward appearances and actions. So from this, you see a slow deviation, a slight deviation. It's not obvious, but they've deviated from following the law to hear God's voice to just following the law. That was the voice. That was their idol. So we'll notice that their traditions and their knowledge really blinded them to who God was. And that's such a slight difference because they might not look outwardly any different from how they were in the beginning. They might look exactly the same in a lot of ways, but their actions and their appearances were more important to them than an actual heartfelt affection towards God. So um, with all of this happening, Simon has these lenses on, and when he sees Jesus, he doesn't recognize him as the one who wrote the laws that he follows, the one who created every cell in his body. He doesn't realize that. Can you guys imagine that for a second? You're following your, your laws, your whole life of this God 
that you know about and you've read about and you have a knowledge of, but then he walks into your house and you don't even recognize him. And that's a scary thought, isn't it? It's really scary because that means he lived his whole life and he's not even able to see the God that he's supposed to worship. So that's really what's at stake here. Um, but let's go ahead and look at this woman and how that's really different. It's, it's kind of a contrast between this woman and uh, the Pharisee. So this woman, it says in verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair, the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, if we look at this woman, she's a sinner. And it says that in the Bible, so there's no, there's no refuting that. She's an absolute sinner. Um, she has not followed the law closely like Simon has. Um, but what you'll see is that Simon is blinded by his knowledge, and Simon is blinded by his idols, which are the law. But she's not. She's affected by it, but that's not what's blinding her. What she's able to see is Jesus for who he really is because of her humble state. Now, her response to seeing Jesus for who he really is is unabashed, unfiltered affection. There's no hiding it. There's no, oh, I'm here, everybody knows I'm a sinner, I have a reputation, I should probably, none of that. She doesn't care about any of that because she sees God for who he really is. So Simon's interaction, or Simon's view of this interaction between the woman and Jesus is also really interesting because this woman is seeing God and for all of us, we think, oh man, if someone is seeing God and is being affected by God, then it should be evident to us, right? It should, it should flow through us and we should see that. But Simon is still so blinded that he sees this interaction and he says, logically, this is a very logical conclusion that he comes to. He says, this woman is such a sinner and Jesus doesn't even realize what kind of woman is touching his feet, you know? And that's super logical if you think like you're not supposed to touch, like a sinner is not supposed to touch you. And, and Jesus is being touched by this woman in her feet. And then his deduction or his reasoning from that is that if he doesn't know who she is, then he's definitely not a prophet. He can't be a prophet if he doesn't know that she's a sinner. And if he's not a prophet, he can't be the Messiah. There's, it's very logical. It makes total sense when I think about it, right? Um, but... What we'll see is that this woman was freed from that logic because she was oriented in a God perspective. So, um, so Jesus' story to Simon upon hearing his thoughts. Now that's a really cool part of that because Simon is saying if he was a prophet, he would know this woman. But the thing is, Jesus is greater than we can imagine. So he even knows Simon's thoughts. And that's, such a, that's a thing that Simon can't even like fathom, right? So Jesus, in response to hearing his thoughts, says the story between uh, the two debtors, or the two debts. Uh, this is verses 41 through 43. We see the story about uh, two people that owe a debt. One owes us 10 times as much as the other. So there's a different, significant difference between how much they owe. But the, the debtor, or the person that uh, they owe the debt to, forgives both of them. And then Jesus says, who do you think will be more grateful? And if you, if you have student loans, you know what I'm talking about. 
So the one with the most debt is the most grateful. Uh, And that's really cool. So Jesus says that. So what does this mean for us when we think about Jesus' response to Simon's thoughts? When the woman realized who Jesus was, her response was affection. But we see this carried out throughout all of the Bible. When someone sees God for who he really is, their automatic response is affection. And we saw Bradley talked about that. He talked about how our perspective is what changes. God never changes, but our perspective of Jesus, God changes. And according to that, if we see him for who he really is, our response is worship. And that's what we're diving into. And you'll see the whole series kind of is interconnected. One is not stronger than the other or anything like that. It's all flowing together as the body of Christ. So we're also flowing together in that. So you'll, you'll see in the Bible that even David, when he saw the Ark of the Covenant come back into Israel, he saw God for who he really was. He saw God for a God who keeps his promises, a God who delivers, a God who is beyond their own strength. So he sees God for who he really is, and his response is to dance unashamedly before God. He's the king, the leader of his people. There's a lot riding on every move that he makes. If you can imagine a leader who's making mistakes, the whole country knows, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but David realizes this, and it doesn't matter to him. And he dances, not only dances, he dances naked before God. So can you imagine the level of his understanding of who God is? It's not his level of affection. It's actually his understanding of who God is that's different. And you also see this in Luke 24. The disciples, they see Jesus ascending into heaven. They see Jesus just going up into heaven and the full glory of who Jesus is. And their response is worship, affectionate, unscheduled. It wasn't like, let's go grab some food. I'm kind of hungry. And then maybe around 6.30, we'll go and worship. It wasn't like that. It was like, let's go worship. Let's just go worship. Let's find a place and just worship. That's our response to that. And that's, and that's what's happening here. So the truth is from the beginning, the first pages of the Bible to the very last pages of the Bible, if you read it, you'll realize that it's full of people that continue to see God for who he really is and their response is worship. And this is actually God's intent. This is God's command as well. Um, if you, if you read verses 44, it says, and then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kisses, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she, was, she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, so God's not countering the fact that she has many sins. She has many sins and they're forgiven for she loved much. Do you love God this morning? Do you love him? Do you feel a love for him in your heart? Or do you feel like Simon sometimes? I know I do. I feel like Simon sometimes. Do you find yourself trying to label God with your knowledge of him? Do you like walk into church and you're just like, Oh, God, God is sovereign. Yes, that's true. Amen, amen, that's all. But like, you don't actually understand God. You're just labeling different situations and different scenarios. And what you're doing is you're pushing God away with your knowledge. You're not actually taking that knowledge and drawing closer to God. 
You're actually saying, oh, I know this about God. I, I've, already, I've already known this for a while. I've read Matthew. You know, I know what I'm talking about. And what you do is you, you take that knowledge and you use that to blind who God is. And I'm using that light to kind of represent God. <laughs> so uh, what you'll find is that you're unable to escape from your thinking sometimes. You can't just be like, I'm going to turn my thinking off. I'm going to show affection to God. There's times when your thinking just takes over. And that's Simon. That's Simon in this story. And I've been Simon before, and I'm sure a lot of you have been Simon before too. And that's a lot riding on the line here because if Jesus walks into your house and you don't recognize him, then that, that means we're in threat of that happening to us as well. And you might have excuses. You might say, I'm not able to show affection like that because I've been a Christian for a long time, Samson. Like, I've been a Christian since I was a kid. I remember you know, like the hypocrisy in churches. I know how people lie, how people aren't who they say they are. I've been hurt before in the church. And I've, I've had affection. I've been to youth camp where I'm not with my high school friends. So I'm able to like raise my hands and worship and I'm on fire for God. And I'm like, my life has changed. I'm gonna be a different person. And then two weeks later, it's as if nothing happened. I've had those experiences before. And the truth is I have had those experiences before too. So what does it take to understand who God is? What does it take to actually see God for who he really is? Now, we can also read uh, the Shema, which is actually Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through six. We see uh, God's command to us, and that kind of weighs down this thought for us, is that God is commanding us to love him too. So let's read it. It says, hear, O Lord, or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Uh, and, and these words that I have commanded to you today shall be in your heart. So if you imagine the context of when God is saying this, this is after God has delivered the people of Israel from a lot. You've seen God for who he really is at this point. And there's also a lot of gods at the time. Like there's a lot of cultures that are, are worshiping different multiple gods and stuff like that. And God lays the law down right at the front and he's like, I am the one God. I am one God. There's no other God. And you shall love me with all your heart. So God is IDing himself and you grow in that with your adoration. Now, another question is, do you find yourself loving God more as you know him more? Are you progressing in your love for God? Not just your knowledge of God, but your love for God. And that's a really great way to understand if knowledge is blinding you or if knowledge is drawing you closer to God. So knowledge is not a bad thing. The, uh, the Pharisees had knowledge. The demons have knowledge of who God is. Knowledge is not always a bad thing, though. Knowledge is a great thing. And we'll see that in the scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 17 through 19. Um, this is Paul talking to the people um, in Ephesus. So he says that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit, capital S, spirit of wisdom and of salvation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? So this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus and he's saying, man, I'm really praying for you guys that your hearts will be open because of the spirit, that the spirit will come in 
and open up your heart so that you'll have a knowledge of God. So there's a good and a bad knowledge. And, and Paul is saying, I hope you have a good knowledge of God. And what we're seeing here, a key phrase is the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So there's a spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit that Paul is referring to, that that spirit will indwell you so that you will have a good knowledge of God. So you're probably wondering what it takes to have this type of affection. What does it take to walk into church and be ready to worship and then go to, church, or go to work on Monday and still be ready to worship and then you lose your job and still be ready to worship and someone dies in your family and you're still ready to worship? What does it take to be like that? What does it take to go through those situations in life and still see God when he walks into your house? And the truth is it takes God. It doesn't take anything but God. So I encourage you guys, if you're, if you're trying to find true affection for God, to pray for that. Because Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus to have that. So we see biblically that it's, it's right to pray for the Holy Spirit to indwell us so that we'll have right and a pure affection towards God. So let's go ahead and read uh, the end here. And this is Jesus talking to the uh, woman. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. In verse 49, it says, then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to this woman, you sh uh, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this is beautiful because in true worship, we can glorify God. So when we show pure affection towards God, I know our tendency is to be like, I probably look crazy. Like I'm standing up here raising my hands and, or I'm standing, I'm clapping in the middle of like a sermon, you know? I'm doing all this stuff and I don't know, what, where's that categorized? Is that, is that just distracting or is that bringing people closer to God? But the truth is if it's spirit led, then people will see that, oh my God, who is this God who forgives sins? Because they, they didn't understand that. You can't forgive sins. You know, the Pharisees can't forgive sins. But right now they see Jesus forgiving this woman's sins. And that is really solidifying the fact that, oh my God, he's God. God is the only one who can forgive sins. The maker of the law is the only one who can judge. So I encourage you guys, when you're, when you're praying like Paul did, pray for your family, pray for your household, pray for yourselves to have this type of affection. And that will carry out into the rest of it. If we have a mind towards God, understanding who God is, and our hearts show pure affection through the power of the Holy Spirit, and Graham will cover next week how that affects our hands, and that's a beautiful thing, because that is God's intent in creating us in this whole act of worship towards him. So um, I encourage you guys to to really push the limits of your own flesh and your own logic and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. And that's a hard thing to do because logic reigns in this world. So we live in a world of logic and it's not wrong, but it's not, it doesn't deserve the throne in our hearts and in our lives. So let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have for us, Lord. When, when Jesus ascended, you said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit is here. And I pray that your Holy Spirit falls this morning in this church. 
that people's lives are changed, people's hearts are moved right now to worship you in spirit and in truth, God. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for you speaking to us this morning. We're so blessed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.